0: let us turn our eyes upon Jesus by turning in our Bibles to Matthew Matthew chapter 6 uh, if you want to follow along with us with the Bible there's one in front of you in the pew there and what a joy I mean again becoming a grandfather uh, for the fourth time and as I look around this room how cool is it that my grandchildren's other side the other grandparents that aren't quite as popular and fun and loving as we are they're both here, you know, Madomos. How's it feel to be grandparents for the first time? woo Hey, congratulations. Uh, and Mama, you were there, right? You had the catcher's mitt on and the mask and ready to go. That's awesome. It's incredible. The Flemings are here. Uh, the Flemings also of our other three. Uh, Todd Fleming, their son, is our daughter's uh, husband. And we're so excited for them being here. How many grandchildren do you all have? It's like show-off time. You know, when they have to look at each other. 15. Well, listen, they had eight kids, right? And so uh, who knows how many, but anyway, uh, what what a privilege it is to worship our great God, to be called family, each and every one of y'all. Okay, so this morning we're going to look at First Things First, part three, but I want to begin by saying this. Remember that no one, not one person, no one has ever won the rat race. And yet, it seems like every morning, tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up and maybe start running what is known as the rat race. And by the way, if you did win the rat race, does that make you a rat? Who wants to win that race, right? Interesting, here's the definition. A rat race is an endless, self-defeating, or pointless pursuit, according to Wikipedia. Pretty good definition, I think, right? A rat race is an endless, self-defeating, or pointless pursuit. Anybody feel like they've been running that? Anybody feel like that describes life a little bit? Well, you see, biblically speaking, even better than Wikipedia. Biblically speaking, the rat race, it all began when we acted like rats and decided to pursue the stuff of this world instead of the Creator. Instead of pursuing the One who created us and created all things for His glory and our enjoyment, Instead of pursuing him, we just started pursuing stuff. And and that would begin the rat race. And humankind has always been running it. Sometimes it feels like the RPMs are higher than us, or maybe we run it with more fervency, or or it's harder. But I'm telling you, ever since the fall of man, our propensity, our tendency, is to run a rat race. That which is endless, self-defeating, and pointless. Well, this morning as we are in part three of our First Things First sermon series here in January, well, let me remind you what we've looked at. The first week, the first day of the year, uh, we looked at God's word, of God's calling us to seek his face. Of all the things that you pursue this year and beyond, of, of all the things that, that are important to you, God says, seek me, seek my first, my face. This should be first and foremost of all the things that we pursue, what, what an amazing God who actually invites us to seek Him. And He says He's going to bless those who do. And then last week, we looked at making room for God. That all the junk in our lives, all the things that we have put into our lives to get in the way of seeking Him. That we've got to make room for God in our, in our busy schedules. And I compared our lives to like a garage that's, that's too full to even have a car in it. Is there room in your life? Have you prepared room in your life for God and for that pursuit? And then this morning, we're going to look at narrowing the focus, the focus of life. There's so many things that call for our attention. There's so many things that claim to be important that we should give our time, talent, and treasures to. But God's Word says, hey, listen, narrow the focus. Uh, Don't focus on that, that big horizon. Narrow the focus, narrow the pursuit. That we should be seeking God and pursuing his kingdom first and foremost so there's a few things we're gonna look at today we're gonna to look at the heart of our pursuit what's behind that we're gonna look at the focus of our pursuit we're gonna look at the object of our pursuit we're gonna look at the posture of our pursuit and the primacy of our pursuit typically uh, I will read scripture the passage that uh, I'm gonna preach through and then we'll pray this morning we're gonna do it a little different um, as our man Charlie Woodward typically preaches, we're going to read the text uh, as it, with each point along as, as I preach that. So let me do this, let me pray for us, and let's ask God's blessing on the preaching of his word. Father God, we thank you that you have created us for something more than a rat race. God, we thank you for your son who has redeemed us at a great cost for more than just running a rat race god we thank you that you've empowered us through your spirit to do something more important than run the race the world runs called the rat race that god because you are ultimate because you are supreme you've asked us to pursue you and there's no greater pursuit but because we're fallen because we're sinful god we focus on the wrong thing we run after the wrong thing we think that what you created is going to provide us something that you the creator can't oh how foolish god each one of us is in the same condition each one of us is prone to run that race so god would you come and join us god would you speak through a broken center like me oh god would you give us ears to hear your voice and god minds to understand your word this morning it's so practical that god you give us hearts that would embrace your truth And that, God, you give us feet that are are made right in the gospel that would run the proper race, would run the race for your glory, that would seek after your kingdom. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away, be forgotten. But the things that are said, that are true and contain the good news of the gospel. Would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be unpacking some amazing words. It's out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6. And what we're doing is we're picking up kind of midway through a sermon. And this isn't just any sermon. This is the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, these are Jesus' words. So if you have a Bible in front of you that's got the red letters, these are going to be like all red letters. Now, let me hit pause and say all of God's Word is God's Word. And you don't want to listen more just because they're red or in your Bible, right? Uh, all of God's Word are inspired by God. They're all worthy. We've got to listen to them all. But here we are on the Sermon on the Mount. Hit pause. I hope one day you'll be able to go and, and see this place uh, where they believe it took place yourself. Looking over the Sea of Galilee. I know that some of us have had the privilege of being there. I hope and pray I can lead you there one day as your pastor. So, But until then, uh, we've got to uh, go to God's Word and see what He has for us. Uh, and and jesus's incredible words so matthew 6 we're going to start off with the heart of the pursuit the heart of the pursuit in matthew 6 verses 19 through 21 and it says this do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love it. that Augustine, Augustine an amazing man of God who lived in the 4th century, right, right around 400, wrote a famous book called The Confessions. Uh, it's an incredible book. And in there is one of the most famous quotes. And it's, it's a beloved true quote. It says this. You have, you have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in You. And here's what he's saying, okay, you have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts will forever be restless until they find their rest in You. And so it's basically saying God has made us for Himself, God has made us to know and love Him, God has made us pursue Him, and we're going to be restless until we find Him. We're going to be restless, and I'll tell you, so much restlessness that we're going to try to fill our lives— fill our brokenness with anything the world has to offer we're going to run after anything because all of us by nature as broken people are restless and until we know god's grace until we can rest in his love and acceptance through the work of his son our hearts will always be restless but it isn't interesting I, i look into your faces i know many of you would say i've i've come to know jesus i know that rest i i know that prize and yet at the same time we often pursue the world stuff, but the reality is, is we'll never find our rest. We'll never find our joy and anything else other than Him, and we got to have Him as our pursuit. Our heart's pursuit should not be in this world. I love it the way, the way that uh, Jesus says this: is that everything you pursue in this world, it's temporary. Everything and you pursue in this world, it's not going to last. It's all susceptible. How has your 401k done this year? Is it susceptible? How is your stuff? I mean, how is your health? Is it susceptible? How are the things that we run for? They all are susceptible to to wear and tear, to, to rust, to moss, to being stolen, to vanishing. And God's saying, listen, I made you for something so much more than this stuff. Don't be running after it. Don't be running after that which is temporary and susceptible. Nothing in this world will last. Nothing here's another thing. Nothing in this world will ultimately satisfy. Now let me hit pause. I love the Ecclesiastes says that God put eternity in our hearts. What can fill eternity? Can you have enough stuff? Can you have enough money? Is there ever going to come a time that says, I got enough, I'm satisfied? No. That emptiness. You're not going to find it in pursuing an earthly love, a, a spouse, or, or, or more lovers. You're not going to find it with more stuff. I mean, there's an emptiness that we all have because God has made us for himself. What good is it to gain the whole world and to lose your very soul? And everything we run after, it's never ultimately going to satisfy us. And here's Satan's lie. Go run after it. You need it. Go run after you deserve it. Go run after it. You're going to really be happy. And we get it. We think, like, oh, this is great for a moment. And it fades away. The world stuff leaves us empty and unfulfilled every time. I mean, I'm never going to find anything. You know, I, I love uh, um, counseling those about to be married, you know, and, and the dazzle in their eyes. And they think, this is it, you know, and I'm, I'm going to marry my what they call soulmate often. And in this soulmate, I'm going to find my real self. And I'm going to be finally happy. How'd that work out for you, right? I mean, you're gonna, you think that somebody else made in God's image is going to be able to replace him? You think somebody else who's a broken sinner is going to be able to satisfy all your needs? Are you crazy? Are you, are you asking your spouse, your loved ones, to fulfill all your needs? Only Jesus can do that. And yet we all run after that. It's crazy. Don't pursue that which is temporary and susceptible. And you know what, what happens with this world that's empty? The heart of our pursuit... Is the pursuit of our hearts. Every one of us is going to pursue it. What are you pursuing? You want to know? It will reveal what your heart desires the most. We all will pursue what our hearts long for. What do you desire most? Are your hearts set on God? Jesus Christ and his kingdom? Or are your hearts set on the world? And this stuff. Now, I, I can hear myself saying this, and it, it sounds like every preacher would say this to you. But let me ask you what does your heart really desire let's be honest for a minute no one else can see and this is something in the quietness of your soul but what is it that your heart desires most look at your calendar how do you fill your time look at your bank statement how do you spend your money look at your friends your associates these things will reveal to you your heart they'll reveal to you your pursuits what do they reveal about them I mean, again, uh, we all have them, but take a moment. I mean, let the Spirit speak. What, what is it in your life that you are pursuing? Our treasure is where we find our value. It says that's where our heart will be. But listen, our treasure, what we pursue, is what we think will really find our value. Maybe it's our retirement our, or, or our savings or, or whatever, our, our position. Our treasure is where we find our value. And we will only pursue God when God is our value. Our treasure you hear that i mean let me just be honest with you you're not going to pursue god unless you treasure him you're not going to pursue god unless you value him more than what this world offers to you we will only pursue god first when we treasure him most and he's worthy treasure god oh my goodness he's creator of all things treasure god he's redeemer treasure god he's, he's everlasting father I mean, treasure God's word. I mean, if you treasure God and his word, you're going to spend some time in it, right? You want to know, how much do I treasure God's word? And this isn't a guilt thing, but if you treasure it, and you say, this is my authority, you're going to spend some time in it. You want to hear from him, this is how he speaks. Yeah, he speaks through all of creation, but are you treasuring God's word? It's amazing. It's an amazing story. And you know what's amazing about this this story? It's not a list of rules and regulations. You know what's amazing? There's a God who's holy. Who loves knuckleheads like us And he says my, my people are like stiff-necked they keep on messing up but i love them and everything they need i'm going to provide for them i need to go to this to be reminded that i'm a knucklehead and i need a big savior and i have one in jesus treasure god treasure god's word treasure god's pleasure this has been one of those weeks right this has been one of those weeks where on Monday, this place was packed. You should have seen this place. We parked 190 cars in the parking lot, thanks to Steve and Tom. 190! They were everywhere. We had over 200 people in this sanctuary. We had 30-plus people in the spill out in the fellowship hall. As I had the tough privilege uh, of leading a memorial service for a 27-year-old. Uh, we streamed it. It was difficult, but the gospel was proclaimed this was a week where that starts on Monday Wednesday Miley arrives I mean you go from uh, the lows to the highs pretty quickly Uh, I went to see Miley on Thursday because I was called to the hospital to see somebody who was stage 4 cancer is a fighting at the very end of her life someone about my age that I knew from Maitland Little League somebody who's worshiped here with us Pam Hutchinson and her family Uh, it's been difficult Friday uh, I I have bill talby's dad's memorial service kind of beginning and ending with a memorial service and then yesterday i get called back to the hospital call back to the hospital pastor jakes can you come we don't know how much long time we have can you come and, and and pray with us and i want you to know those moments terrify me i mean i i love what i do and i've told jesus i'll go anywhere you send me anywhere you want to send me i'm gonna go but you just know that i'm a knucklehead and i i don't know what i have to offer it I'm, I'm my knees are knocking you know i mean this is a family that's watching a loved one perish but you go and you bring god's word and listen it's not just me it's you because if you're a believer you bring god's presence and god's going to give you the words to say and it's really about being faithful right so you go and you pray with the family and you share scripture passages with them and I'm telling you, I feel God's pleasure. So some of the most pleasure I've ever felt is when God calls me the hardest things. And it's when I'm terrified, but he sends me anyway. And I don't feel I'm qualified, but I go anyway. And I just feel the love of the Father. I just feel like it's well done. That's what I wanted you to do. You can't do more. Just go show up. Have you felt the pleasure of God? I'm telling you, if you feel like you treasure it, you're like, man, whoo, there's nothing like it you have the treasure of god's glory that we we are to live for his fame we're to live for his glory god didn't live make us in his image so we live for the glory of our own little name listen he made you for something so much bigger than our own little pursuits he wants us to be a part of him and his family and live for his glory to live for his name well then we see not only that that uh the heart of our pursuit we see the focus of our pursuit In verses 22 through 23 it says this the eye is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light in you is darkness which is a really mind-blowing verse how great is the darkness have you ever tried to drive through a dirty windshield that's one of the hardest things for those of us who grew up in God's country maybe upstate New York you know you 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 always your windshield's got so much junk on it because it's coming off you know got the salt and the slush and the and you know you all the time and then your your uh washer fluid freezes up <laughs> not good maybe down here let me let me be a floridian love bugs you ever had some bugs to hit your window and you can't get it off and you're trying to see you know when when there's grime and gunk on your windows isn't it interesting what it does to the light it just provides a glare right? I mean, all of a sudden you can't see. It's scary. I mean, I, I don't know if you've been there, but you, you, you really, it, it distorts things that are there, or maybe hides things that are there. So this is saying that not literally our physical eye, although our physical eye needs light, those ophthalmologists in the room, um, or watching, but our, our, our souls need light. For us to see rightly ourselves in the world, we need the light of Christ, right? And I, and I love what Psalm 36 says, In you is the fountain of life. And in your light do we see light. We we can't understand ourselves. We can't understand the world around us. Watch this. Until the light of Christ shines. We need the light of Christ for us to understand what is happening. What is healthy. Without it, it's all like looking through a dirty windshield. It affects everything we see. Focus on the light of Christ. I love what the scripture says in John 1 4. It describes Jesus this way. Listen, Jesus is the light and life of men. Jesus is the only one who can, can, can who can clear the windshield of your life. He can wash it clean with his blood. And Jesus' light shines on what is important. You know, how many times have you seen the, have you seen the moon in the last couple of weeks? It's beautiful. Has it not been beautiful? I don't know I mean the older I get the more b- big nerd I am I love the stars the moon I love birds it's sing. I mean you know you kind of n- notice these nature things but you know think of the moon and the beauty of the moon do you know the light of the moon doesn't exist what is the moon I love this analogy it's dust it's just nothing but dust that gets in the right alignment with the Sun and then it shines like whoa all the things of this world are dust we think they shine but they don't the only thing that shines is christ the light of the world and let us get in right alignment with him what's important shine on us so that we know run in the light of christ god is light stuff does not have true light all right So not only the focus of our pursuit, how about the object of our pursuit? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or God and mammon. Wow. It's often wrongly stated. Let me see if you heard this. It's often wrongly stated that money is the root of all evil. Have you ever heard money is the root of all evil? It's not true, it's not biblical, it's not right. Wait a minute. It isn't. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's the pursuit of money. It's the serving, the servant heart of money. Having money is not a sin. Serving money is. Which one do you serve? It's basically this He's saying, focus on the Creator, not on His creation. Focus on the giver of all good gifts. Don't focus on his gifts. You can't serve two masters. Which one are you and I serving? You can't pursue hard after God and pursue after this world and money at the same time. Those are two antithetical races. You know, if your goal is is to be rich and prosperous and to be godly, good luck. Because God's word says over and over again there's a burden that comes with money, there's a burden that comes with riches and it distracts us. It blurs us. It gets the windshield all dirty. It makes us all see things distorted, and it gets us on the wrong highways. Now, the object of our pursuit should be one master, and that one master should be God, and we can't run another race other than the one he's asked us to. But then how about the posture of our pursuit in verses 25 through 32? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat and what you will drink and about your body and what you put on. Is not your life more than food or the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory are not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You know, how many of you are anxious about what you eat or drink? It seems like as Americans, that's, that's already covered. But it's basically saying don't pursue after worldly things and don't be anxious about them. Don't worry. We've got a Father in heaven, he, he knows your needs, He knows them better than you do. Don't be anxious about worldly things here's the reality anxiousness produces nothing good nothing good a- i love the way it says it's, it's like by being anxious are you able to add a cubit it's like an arm's length are you going to be able to grow are you going to able to have time is there anything a- has anxiousness produced anything positive other than a, an ulcer other than in gray hair and worry don't be anxious and I really think it's this way. Because listen, you cannot trust God and be anxious at the same time. Let me say it. You can't trust God and be anxious at the same time. You cannot walk by faith and be anxious. Now listen, when you walk by faith and you don't know, you cry to God, oh God, help me. I mean, help help my anxiousness. Let me cast it upon you. And walking by faith is really difficult. But how is it with you? Is faith marking your walk in life or is anxiousness? and worry listen we got to have faith that the heavenly father will provide he will he knows you're more important than than the birds he feeds our heavenly father is a good provider he knows and will meet our needs all of them and then we have the primacy of our pursuit maybe the whole point narrow in the focus listen but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day, it's its own trouble. It says, seek ye first, of all the things, seek first the kingdom of God. Not just pastors, all of us. Our first pursuit in life, our overarching pursuit in life, our all-encompassing pursuit in life is to be the kingdom of God. We are designed for this, created in God's image for this pursuit, We are redeemed by Christ's blood for this pursuit. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now listen, because it's our greatest treasure. We don't seek first the kingdom to try to get into the kingdom. It's because we are. By God's grace, because we're his. It's our greatest treasure. Seek first the kingdom of God, because this is where life is found. Do you believe it? I mean, honestly do you really believe seeking first the kingdom of God is where life is found? Do you really believe that's where joy is found? I mean, don't you think if that was our treasure, we'd seek it? I mean, can't we? don't we have to confess the reality is we don't really believe that seeking first the kingdom of God is really life-giving. It feels like a religious thing that God tells us to do. It feels like a burden, sometimes. It feels like something religious that we just got to get God first because he's going to zap us with a rash that will not go away if we don't. But the reality is this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God because you were created for that. Seek first the kingdom of God because you were redeemed for that. Seek first the kingdom of God because there you're going to find life. And there you're going to find life abundantly. Don't be satisfied with the thimbleful of God and the kingdom of God. And I tell you, as a pastor, that's the one thing that haunts me the most. Is I think that we're so easily satisfied with what God has given us, what he's provided for us, that there isn't a pursuit for more. There isn't a hunger for more. I love Psalm 42. You know, my, my soul thirsts for the living God, like, like, like living streams. I thirst for you, O oh God. And I, and I have tasted and seen that God is good. I thirst for him, and yet he leaves me thirsty for more. Oh, my beloved church. May you not be satisfied with a thimble full of God's presence, kingdom, and blessing. May you thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're going to be filled. Blessed are those of you who seek my face. Blessed is those who long for him. Do not be satisfied for where you are. Know that the one who quenches our thirst gives us a thirst for more. Do not be be satisfied in your pursuit of God. Now, I'm I'm not saying this is a burden. I'm not saying this to try to guilt you into anything. I'm doing this because God wants to give you more of life. He wants to reveal more of himself. Be thirsty for more. Don't be satisfied with your pursuit. Fill your cup. I'm afraid that some of you have stopped at the appetizer table thinking that's all the good stuff. And there's a feast to be had. I mean, some, some of you have just said, you know what, I, I got enough of Jesus. I, I, I kind of got him here in my life. I got him compartmentalized right here. I got him walled off over here. And maybe I'll try to move him up the ladder. Forget that. Seek first the kingdom. Get away from the appetizer table. Move on for more. Hunger and thirst. Hunger for his word. Pursue his face. Find joy in life like you never have. Be transformed in the image of his son. There's nothing greater. In pursuing him. Seek first his kingdom, that's his reign and rule. Seek first his righteousness. I love what Proverbs nineteen fifteen nine says. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. God loves him who says, You know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go after righteousness. Pursuing righteousness is pursuing joy if we believe that joy is not found in our stuff. But joy is found in our creator. And I love this. He says, pursue his kingdom. And watch this. This is very important as we close. Pursue his righteousness. This is not saying that you just pursue your own righteousness. Many people think if I pursue a righteousness on my own, God's going to love and accept me. It's not the gospel. Here is the good news of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16. For the gospel is the power of God for all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, the righteousness of God, and we receive it by faith, and we walk by faith. So pursue the righteousness of God is pursuing your walk with God, your faith with God. It's pursuing God's righteousness. You know, and is the beautiful thing for a knucklehead like me that God wants me to live and embrace in the righteousness of God more than just my trying to get better. Most of my Christian life is me trying to re- rehabilitate Jeff Jakes to be more of a holy God. I think he wants me to be holy. But I think the truth is he wants us to be free. And he wants us to live in the righteousness of Christ. I'm never going to be righteous enough that God's going to say, oh, you know what, you're really a good guy. we come here on your own. I only get in because of the perfect righteousness of Christ. And so do you. I only get in because of the blood of the Lamb, and so do you. And he wants us to pursue his righteousness. God took him who knew no sin to become our sin. So that through him, watch this, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that through him we could become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. Pursue his righteousness. And then what will happen as you pursue the kingdom all these things are going to be added up into you it's all grace i'm going to give them to you it's all grace all those material things that are necessary i'm going to i got it i'll even give you righteousness let me ask you what race will you wake up and run tomorrow are you going to run the rat race when he gives you something so much greater seek first the kingdom of god may king's chapel be a place where god's people seek first for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful that you're so patient with us because how many mornings do we wake up and we just forget? We we focus on ourselves. We focus on our things. We focus on those around us. We focus on our to-do list. And God, in and of themselves, none of those are necessarily wrong or bad. But God, if it causes us to run after the race of, of stuff or the rat race it's pointless it's useless and jesus i thank you that you came to tell us how to run the race and jesus more importantly than telling us how to run it, you ran it for us that huh. you 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 were the perfect son who lived and magnified the law by fulfilling the law you're the one you're the one who, who died a death that we deserve. You're the one who's conquered sin and death by being resurrected. You're the one, through you, Jesus, and in you, we have now the call and the ability to pursue something more than the rat race. And it's in grace, it's in love that you tell us to seek first the kingdom. It's not religion. It's it's not so you could love us more. It's, It's so that we can experience more of your love. It's so that we can have the fullness of your joy. And so we can know you and love you and know that you're such a good Father. You provide for us. Jesus, you're such a perfect Savior. Holy Spirit, you're such an amazing comfort. God, forgive us, humble us. Because the truth is, we don't treasure you. We really don't when we pursue something beyond you. And God, I thank you that you love knuckleheads like me. I thank you that you don't give up on us. But God, may your spirit and your word stir deeply in our souls that we would live and run for you. I pray in Christ's name, amen.